thank you, Peter, for reading that passage. Uh, and good morning, everybody. Uh, I think most people this morning know who I am, but if uh, you don't, Tim Ray is my name, uh, and I'm a member of the congregation here at uh, Crinken. Uh, you saw up on the, the screen there a photograph of the men's breakfast yesterday. <clears throat> and I had the privilege of uh, speaking at that breakfast back in September, I think, uh, of uh, last year. And I used a phrase uh, at that time, God's unlikely leaders. And I talked about what seems to be a pattern in Scripture, that God reaches out and chooses and selects people who seem to be, to not fit the picture, who wouldn't be the obvious choice for the leadership roles uh, that God had in mind. Um, we had some crowd participation earlier. It's always useful to get you engaged. Anybody, any, uh, any unlikely leaders in scripture that come to mind for you? Jonah. Jonah. Very good. Moses, absolutely. Peter, Peter, absolutely. And in fact, you could say, all the disciples, <laughs> in many respects. I heard another one. David, absolutely a shepherd boy. Lo lots and lots of examples uh, of unlikely leaders in the Bible. And when we look at the story of Gideon here this morning, um, it seems to me that Gideon is another unlikely leader. Because Gideon is somebody, as we read through this passage, he's somebody who is full of fear, He's absolutely reluctant uh, when God calls him. He's skeptical and he's filled with doubts. In some respects, another way of putting this is he's human. You know, he's flawed. He's spiritually flawed. Uh, and yet God uses him in the most powerful of ways. Um, and in case it gets lost uh, in what I say this morning, I hope it doesn't, but just in case it gets lost, let me get the headline out right now, which is that I, I think it's a word of great encouragement that despite our flaws, despite our lack of faith, despite who we are, that God in his grace and his mercy chooses to use us in the most profound ways. You know, and I wonder, is God calling you to something this morning? Has God been laying anything on your heart in recent days and recent weeks? That might very simply be sharing your faith more openly. Maybe it's taking up a role here in church. Uh, maybe it's a, a new job. Uh, maybe it's moving overseas. And whatever it happens to be, you feel that God must have got this wrong. You're definitely not the person, for whatever reason. Um, I wonder, are you a Gideon this morning? Uh, and if, if that begins to strike a bell with you, if that begins to speak to you this morning, then I'm, I'm going to really challenge you to, to listen carefully uh, as we walk through this passage. Um, I want to look at sort of two aspects of the story very quickly. Uh, one is the interaction that Gideon has with the angel of the Lord, um, and the to and fro and the kind of things that are spoken about in that interaction. And then secondly, just moving further into the story, look at what I've called here in my notes, um, Gideon's first 
faltering steps of faith. And I, again, I say I hope that I hope you might be challenged uh, by what some of the thoughts I want to share with you. But I hope even more that you will be encouraged uh, by them as well. So let's have a look first of all at this passage. It's verse 11 through to about verse um, 18 when Gideon encounters the angel of the Lord. And we're introduced to Gideon. Uh, we encounter him hiding away in a wine press. And without taking up too much time looking at the, the backdrop and the context here, uh, the Midianites uh, have invaded the country. Uh, every time uh, the Israelites produce a crop, they come in, they steal the crop. So what we find here is Gideon hiding away in a wine press threshing the corn. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with how you threshed corn in biblical times. And just to be clear, I had no idea before I started looking at this. Uh, but you do not thresh corn in a wine press. It's the last place you thresh it. Because seemingly, uh, you, uh, you stamp on it and then you throw it in the air. The wind blows away the chaff and the kernels of corn fall to the ground. So the last and most difficult place that you would seek to do this is in a wine press. Um, and, and so what we see is Gideon hiding away in fear. And in some respects, this wine press is something of a metaphor for how he lives his life constantly under the cloud of fear. And then the angel of the Lord appears in verse 12. And there are two messages uh, that he uh, or he greets him in, with two messages. One, the Lord is with you. And then secondly, he addresses him as mighty warrior. Now, if you were someone from Israel listening in on this conversation, you'd have a chuckle at this stage because this is Gideon hiding away in a wine press, uh, afraid of the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord greets him as a mighty warrior. And immediately I think there's a, an insight and a lesson for you and me this morning. Because God doesn't see us as we are. He sees who we can be in him. We see all our limitations, but God sees who we can be. And he describes Gideon here as a mighty warrior. And then we see Gideon's response in verse 13, he immediately pushes back and he says, but sir, and interestingly, he avoids the personal. The message from God was, the Lord is with you, Gideon. But Gideon immediately pivots to the plural, to us, and he talks about the nation of Israel. Um, and he effectively accuses God of abandoning Israel. He says, you're saying you are with us, but look what's happening to us. Look at the circumstances of our lives. Look at the desperate straits that we are living in. God has abandoned us. Where are all these great feats that are talked about by our forebears? All the great things of God bringing us, performing miracles, taking us up out of Egypt, parting the Red Sea. Where's all of that? God has abandoned us. You know, again, I think there's an immediate insight there for you and I because Gideon makes the mistake of interpreting difficult circumstances 
and challenging circumstances as the absence of God. And I wonder what your life circumstances are like this morning. Are you finding challenges in life? Are you finding life difficult? And perhaps you think that God has abandoned you. In fact, God was incredibly present in the circumstances facing Israel. Every time Israel drifted away, God reaches out in grace and mercy and he uses the surrounding nations to overwhelm Israel. And then in their desperation, Israel turns back to God. So God is not absent in these circumstances. God is eminently present. And I'm not saying here in any way that if your circumstances are difficult or challenging this morning, it's something that you've done wrong to be there. But rather that God is in every circumstance and God is present with you and God is working in your life to teach you something, to lead you somewhere, to mold you in a particular way. But you know, the good news uh, for Gideon is that he's not apathetic. Gideon is animated by the situation that Israel faces. And he challenges God back. And he says, he challenges the angel of the Lord and he says, God has abandoned us. This is a situation, this is a circumstance that Gideon is, is stirred by. It's something that motivates him, something that aggravates him, something that engages him. Then interestingly, God turns the tables. And there's a phrase here that really struck me when I read this passage a few weeks ago for the first time. Well, not for the first time, first time recently. Uh, and God says in verse 14, am I not sending you? Isn't it interesting? And I wonder what is on your heart this morning. What situations, what circumstances motivate you, stir your heart? Maybe it's something about the migrant population in Ireland at the moment and the circumstances and challenges they face. Maybe it's something on your heart about the new buildings going up and estates going up all around us here and what God is doing to reach out to those folks. What is it that's stirring you? What is God saying to you? And maybe you're saying, what is anybody else doing about that? And here God turns the tables on Gideon and he says, am I not sending you? You are part of the solution. You are my solution. Now I wonder if you felt God saying that this morning to you. You are part of the solution. You are the answer to the problem that you've identified. I wonder what your reaction would be. I'm going to guess it might not be too, diff too different to the reaction of Gideon here this morning. Because Gideon says, hang on, you've got the wrong guy. You've got the wrong guy. My tribe is the weakest, or my clan is the weakest in Manasseh. And I'm the least of my family. You know, it's not me. Uh, you, you, know, the, you can't, it's, you've, got, you've got the wrong guy. And of course, that's what you and I think instantly as well. It can't be me. It's got to be the more gifted person, as I see it. It's got to be the more educated person, 
It's got to be the person with more resources, person with more time, person who's been in the church longer. It can't be me. In verse 16, God says to Gideon, I will be with you. You know, I use that phrase, God's unlikely leaders. And it seems to be the more you think you don't fit the profile, the more likely it is that God is calling you. Because that's God's pattern in scripture. Choosing people who don't fit the profile. So, first challenge I want to leave with you this morning. Are you the solution to the problem? Am I not sending you? Now, let's quickly move the story on and look at Gideon's first faltering steps. And just think about it at this point in time. Gideon has had a personal encounter with the angel of the Lord. He's had a prophetic declaration, if you like, over him that he is a mighty warrior. And he's had the promise of God's presence. Now surely, in those circumstances, Gideon will now step up and take action. But no. Gideon seeks further reassurance. He wants tangible, physical proof from God. And we know as we if you're familiar with this particular chapter of scripture that Gideon tests God three times. In verse 17, he simply asks for a sign. Then it gets more complex. In verse, verses 36 to 40, many of you are familiar with Gideon putting out the fleece as a test of God's will and direction. And he asks God to make the fleece wet and the ground dry. And then he flips the test, the fleece dry and the ground wet. What's interesting here is that God, a Gideon, doesn't doubt his own ability at this stage. He's no longer saying, God, I can't do this. Unlike Moses, somebody called out Moses as an example of an unlikely leader. And you remember that Moses, when God called him, said, no, 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 you've got the wrong guy. I don't have the gift of public speaking. I can't do this. And God said, well, there's Aaron. He'll do it for you. But Gideon doesn't doubt his own ability. He doubts the authenticity of God's voice. He says, I want to know, God, that it's really you speaking. And if it is, are you really with me? And, it, if, and if you are with me, have you got the power? Now, we could debate here for quite some time this whole question of asking God for a sign. And Deuteronomy 6 verse 16 says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Something that Jesus himself reiterates in Matthew 4 and throughout the Gospels. And it's interesting as an aside to note here that the more signs that God gives Gideon, the more Gideon asks for more signs. You know, like the Pharisees in the time of Jesus said, Jesus, give us a sign, do some miracles. Um, and he says, well, since I do a miracle, you'll just ask for another miracle. So it seems that that tangible proof is not what faith is all about. But we could have that debate, but I don't want to focus there. 
I want to focus on God's reaction. Because when Gideon doubts and Gideon asks for a sign, God does not give up on Gideon. You would think it would be quite okay for him to dismiss Gideon, say, well, that's it, you've had your chance to cast him aside in some way. But instead, God responds to him. And I think there's a really amazing phrase here. Again, one that really struck me when I read this passage first time around. Look at verse 18 with me for a moment. It says, please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. It's almost hidden away in there, that phrase. And yet it sort of hit me like a thunderbolt when I read it. Because just stop and think what actually is going on there. Gideon is speaking to the living God and saying, hold on one second. Can you just wait there for a moment? And the creator God says, I will wait until you return. What amazing, gracious patience. And you know, what we see here is that God meets Gideon where he's at in all his doubts and his fears. He doesn't condemn him, though Gideon himself knows he's pushing the boundaries. Verse 39, when Gideon asks God to do the fleece test again, he says, God, don't be angry with me. He knows he's pushing the envelope. He knows he's pushing the boundaries. But God meets Gideon in his weakness, not in his strength. I read an article as I was preparing for this and the title of the article was God Wants Your Weakness. He's not looking for your strength, your bravery, your natural gifts. He's looking for your reliance on him. And you know this theme of God's patience, it kind of continues when Gideon finally steps out and takes some action. God instructs Gideon to rip down the altar to Baal and the Asherah pole, the idolatrous worship that's going on in the heart of his own community. It's a big ask, because he's asking Gideon to deal with the source of Israel's problems, idolatry, not just the symptoms, which is the oppression by other nations around them. And Gideon obeys, but we read in verse 27 that he does so under the cover of darkness because he was afraid of his family and the men of the town. You see, Gideon is still afraid. He's still afraid. I, I asked, could you see yourself in any of this? Could you, can you see yourself reflected in this story in any way? Well, as I read this, my mind went back to when I was about 14 or 15 years old. And I'm going to tell you a story now I've never told anybody. I don't think even my wife knows this, and she's not here, so she still doesn't. So next time you meet her, you can say, I know something about your husband that you don't. I was a, a pupil in Ballyclare High School, 
in Northern Ireland. And I can remember, don't ask me, I don't quite remember how I got the thought in my head that I needed to do something to reach out to my fellow schoolmates and the pupils in the school. So I wrote off to, I think it was Scripture Gift Mission at the time, and explained what I was about. And I was a good Northern Ireland evangelist. I asked for a box of tracks. So a week later, a box of tracks arrived in the post. And now I'm standing there with a fistful of tracks. Uh, and I had in my head envisaged that I was going to hand these out to people. I took a slightly different approach. So, you know, every lunchtime, you go to the classroom that you were going to go to after lunch and you'd throw your school bag down. So all around the school at all these different classrooms, there were mounds of school bags. And when everybody else was safely off the one side, I went round, stuck a tract in all the different school bags. That was my version of working under the cover of darkness. Of course, the next thought that flew into my head as I was thinking about this a few weeks back was, is that still my modus operandi? Do I still seek to share my faith under the cover of darkness? But you know, here's the great thing. I don't know what happened to those tracks. Maybe somebody read it and they're now the next Billy Graham, I don't know. Don't believe so, but, <laughs> but who knows? But the, the great thing is that God uses our faltering, imperfect faith. And note the flow of the narrative in this chapter. Gideon meets the angel of the Lord. He asks for a sign. He gets a boost of bravery. He takes action. Then he needs another sign. His faith ebbs and flows like the tide. It's two steps forward, one step back. Yet God persists with him and God is patient with him. And how like Gideon are we, in our own lives, how often have you felt God's presence? How often have you seen God working in your life and yet we doubt the next time round? But you know, eventually, no matter how many signs Gideon looks for, eventually he needs to step out and act in faith. Even in weak faith. And maybe it's the same for you and me this morning. So I wonder, has this stirred, as I've spoken this morning, has it stirred in you in any way something that God is calling you to do, something that God wants you to do, and you think, I'm not the right fit, I'm not the guy you're looking for, my faith is too weak. Well, don't feel like your weak faith disqualifies you from God's service. Gideon's weak faith is still greater than no faith. And God deals with Gideon despite his flawed approach. So what are the takeaways this morning? I think there are three things to say briefly. Firstly, 
here's a great encouragement. In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 32, who pops up in the list of great Old Testament characters of faith? Well, lo and behold, there is Gideon in the list. So be encouraged that despite his apparent weak faith and his faltering faith and his going out under the cover of darkness, he still appears as an exemplar of great faith. So what about you this morning? Are you hearing God's voice? What is he calling you to this morning? I wonder, has anything been stirred in your heart and in your mind as I've spoken this morning? Is there something that God is speaking into your ear right now and saying, you're the one I'm calling? Am I not sending you? I wonder, do you feel inadequate, perhaps maybe not up for the task? But God says, I want your weakness, not your strength. And if your faith is weak, God simply asks you to take the first step. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for characters like Gideon who remind us that you deal with us and work with us and work through us despite all of our imperfections despite our flaws. Father God, help us to see ourselves as you see us. Help us to see the potential that you see. And Lord, help us to be completely reliant on you. Not reliant on our, the strength of our own faith. Not reliant on our own natural gifts. Not reliant on who we are or what we are. But reliant only and completely on you. Father, I pray that if there's anyone here this morning whose heart you have been stirring, whose heart you've been speaking to this morning. Father, I pray that you will strengthen them to take that first step of faith and to experience your power working through them. To the glory of your name. In Jesus' name. Amen.